Jesus, I love that line in that song, Daniel, where he says, all my life. Like from the beginning to right now and into the future, all my life, God has been good. Now, I know some of us are like, that's hard. But it's so important that we declare that because if we don't declare that, we'll start to believe something other than that. And if we believe other than that, then we'll believe something other than what the scripture teaches. So Daniel, let's sing that that little part of that song right there. Guys, let's just declare this before the Lord. All my life. Jesus. All my life you have been faithful. Jesus. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am I'm gonna sing of your goodness to God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. That it's it was always your first move. It was it, you made the first move towards us. And it was because you loved us so much. And so, God, this morning, would you help us to refocus, get our mind back, get our thoughts back, get our words back on the truth that you are who you say you are, that you've done what you said you have done, and that you will do what you say you'll do we don't trust the world we don't trust what we see we trust you the God that loves us the God that is good the God that is able to do the impossible in Jesus name we pray amen amen awesome awesome you guys can have a seat it's so good to see you this morning I hope you're feeling great Hopefully you're excited about the Word of God today. Amen. Anybody excited about the Word of God this morning? Come on. That's good. Now, at our conference that we had last Saturday, um, we had a conference around here called Thrive. And I, I would get up and I would introduce the communicator for the day. And usually what I would say is, hey, you guys, I, I know that you're going to help the preacher today. Right. I'd be like, you know, I want you to help the preacher. And so I'd say, you know, that's good, pastor. Or, ooh, that's oh, oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. You know, somebody's going to stand up and just start shouting me down. Right. Something like that. Right. Come on. Some of you are like, I'm never doing that. I'm never doing that. But I would love your help this morning. Come on. You know, you can do it. You can do it. I know you can. I've seen you. I've seen you clapping. And so I'm trying to get us to a place as a church that we like to shout. We like to speak. We like to to agree with the word of God with our mouths, not just with our minds. You know what I'm saying? That we can actually say these things. And so help me today. Uh, And then finally, the last thing I'd say, and it was something that Pastor David said, and I loved it, is that he said that note takers are world changers. Wasn't that good? 
Note takers are world changers. So I'd encourage you to take some notes, write some stuff down, because this is what I know. I'm going to be up here for a little while, and I can guarantee you everything I say, you're not going to be able to remember. But there might be a few things that you can remember and need to write down that you can take with you and chew on like beef jerky throughout the week. Thank you. And so if you'll just go ahead and make some notes, write some things down, I promise you they'll help you. And then here's another thing that, that you need to know, and it's something as a church that we've, we have kind of pivoted towards, and we've changed a few things to get here. And some of you may or may not like this, and that's okay, but here's the thing that we've done. We've shifted our e-groups to where our e-groups are spending more time discussing the message from the weekend. Now, some of you are like, well, pastor, I don't like that. I heard you all weekend. I don't want you to hear you through the week. I get it. And I understand that. I'd rather hear Max Lucado or Beth Moore or whoever else you, you know. And I get it. They're the great teachers. They're amazing teachers. And you can get that stuff all the time. But the thing that I've discovered is, for me, it's a sad state of affairs when a preacher gets up and he shares for the, you know, some of them speak for 20, 25. You know me. I go a little bit longer, you know just a little bit, and, 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 and what happens is you hear it, you clap it, you shout it, you walk out, and you forget it. I don't know about you, but that kind of hurts my feelings, you know, and you all don't want to hurt my feelings. I know you don't, but wouldn't it be great if we took what we learned on the weekend and we digested it and we applied it? Because then it becomes something that we're all doing together. We're all learning together. We're all feasting on the same meal that was prepared on the weekend. And so for anybody that wonders why we've made that shift, I want to encourage you to just understand that we feel like it's valuable to help people uh, understand what was happening, chew on what was happening. And ultimately, I think it brings greater unity to our church when we're centered around the same things. All right? Come on. I know you like variety. You're all our Burger King people. But, but in this church, we want to do that because we all want to be on the same page, getting better and stronger around the same content as we grow together. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, I wanted to start here by reading something out of Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Now, these are the words of Jesus. Uh, matter of fact, Jesus was speaking these words in something that was called, and it was actually his most famous message that was recorded in Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, why did they call it the Sermon on the Mount? I think he was standing on a mount, and he had a sermon. And so that's why they call it Sermon on the Mount. Very clever, right? I wanted to start here in verse 19. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up your treasures, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in to steal. And so Jesus is clearly helping us to see that there's a difference between laying up treasures in heaven and laying up treasures on earth. And one of the main differences is that the ones that are laid up in heaven are secure. They're not susceptible to the things of this world. They don't break down like an old car. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is saying, is that wherever my treasure go, my heart is tethered to it. You understand? Now, what does that mean? Now, you guys are smart people. 
if, if your treasure is given to something, like if you give it to the cardinals, come on. Your heart is tethered to the cardinals. And I'm not saying that's bad. Glory to God, we're going to win a World Series this year. Come on. But we just need to understand that wherever our treasure goes, our heart goes with it. So whatever we put our treasure towards, your heart is going towards it. And guys, that can be good, and it also can be bad. It can be both. So so let's continue. Jesus goes on in verse 22. He said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But, see the but, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then he goes on, he says, if, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, which is kind of a curious statement, how great is that darkness? So he's saying that, that when there's darkness, it can be consuming in our lives. Then he says, in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Perhaps you've heard this. Like the Bible has said, you, you can't serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. So this idea is basically you'll be divided. And God is not interested in us being divided. So he says to you, you can't serve two masters. And then he says this, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, in your Bibles, it may say something else. It may say like riches or something like that. Well, this mammon, and, and I can't go too deep into it, but mammon basically is represented in the Bible as on, uh, uh, like a being, like a God. And this God was a God of riches. It's like a love of money. Okay, It's a love of the riches of life. And so what, what Jesus is saying is that, look, 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 you can't serve God and serve that so he goes on and then he says this and this is where some of you maybe have heard this passage of scripture this is where you kind of tune in because it's so applicable it's so real you're like yes i need this on a t-shirt i need this on the wall i need this in my life because ultimately i struggle with this verse 25 jesus says therefore i say to you do not worry about your life everybody say do not worry do not worry about your life. And then he goes on to say, what you will eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body and what you'll put on. Now, some of you, whew, you spent like 30 minutes today. Somebody put an hour in trying to figure out which outfit to wear in Jesus' name. I'm sure none of you did that. And some of you were worried about it. You know, you were like, if I don't wear the right thing, people aren't going to like me. All right. Then he says this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather in a barn. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. And then I love this question. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable than the birds and the lilies of the field? Now, God loves the lilies, right? He loves the birds. He loves all the things that he created. 
All the animals that went in the ark, he loves them all. But the one thing that the Bible says is the climax and the apex of his creation are you and me. And so the Bible says that you are loved and cared for by God. And and in the scripture right here, it says, are you not more important? Are you not more valuable than the birds and the lilies? Now, I just want to stop there for a moment and suggest that some of us don't believe that. Some of us don't believe that. Some of us have been praying for a long time for something. And we've started to believe that God doesn't care. And I'm here to tell you today that whatever you've believed is a falsehood. Because the Bible says that God does care. Whether you see it not or not, God cares for you. So much more than the lilies and the birds. Verse 27. Which of you by worrying, oh, this is where it gets good. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit? Everybody's like, what's a cubit? Like, is that a cubert? No. It's a measurement. Can, can add one cubit to his stature. Well, you can't, right? I mean, isn't that the answer? Like, your worry doesn't, doesn't give you anything. Your worry doesn't help you in any way. Matter of fact, it only hurts you. It only depletes you. It doesn't ever help you. And so that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's like, look, look. Okay, I know you've been worrying all day, but how has that helped you? He says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and how they, they, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even, I love this, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So you know Solomon. Perhaps you've heard of Solomon in the Bible. Solomon was a big deal. You know, he wrote parts of the Bible. He was one of the the kings of Israel, probably the most successful, wealthiest of all the kings. Had everything that you could ever want, ever imagine. I mean, he was like Jeff Bezos of the Bible. And apparently he's been knocked off as the richest guy in the world, which probably much to his ego, he's very upset about. But, 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 but he says that, that even Solomon didn't compare to what God thinks about you, how God provides for you, how God is invested in your health, your success, your sanctification, which means your perfection or your, your, your becoming more like Jesus. Like, no, God is invested. And the way that we see that God is invested is in Jesus. And what Jesus has done on our behalf. Then he says this. Verse 30. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, well, how much more will he clothe you? And then he says this, which I don't, Jesus, I don't like it, but I hear you. He says, oh, you of little faith. Another therefore, listen, therefore, do not worry. Everybody say, do not worry. We said that earlier, right? Okay, so, so again, in biblical interpretation, this is a repetition of a term. Do not worry. Jesus said it the first time. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. 
Therefore, do not worry. Are you starting to get it? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all of these things, the Gentiles, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. You know that Jesus knows you need some things. Jesus even knows that you want some things. Jesus is absolutely aware of all these things. And then watch this. This is, this is the one that maybe you'd put on your wall. Verse 33. But seek first. Yeah. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And all these things. Everybody say all. Now look, I was looking at the Greek. And I was doing an investigation of all. And you know what the Greek word for all is? All. It means all. It means every part of it. It means everything. You with me? So the Bible says, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry. Everybody say, do not worry. About tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough worries of its own, doesn't it? Sufficient for the day, is it, with his own troubles. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it shapes, how it challenges, how it corrects, how it points us to the truth. God, as we dive a little deeper, Would you help us to see what it is you want us to see? Holy Spirit, would you come and speak? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus was preaching a sermon. And and if you're looking in the book of Matthew, you see that Jesus' sermon went from chapter 5, chapter 6, and into chapter 7. Okay, And so so Jesus' sermon filled about three chapters there in the book of Matthew. And, and perhaps you've heard of it, you know, like it's where the Beatitudes are. And you're like, what are the Beatitudes? You remember that whole thing of blessed are the poor, blessed are these, blessed are those, right? That's in there. That's how Jesus even starts it as he's on the mountain. He starts this way. And then he continues to talk about a variety of other things throughout that. And then you get into chapter 6. And in chapter 6, it starts right, like right before we get to 19. There's a whole section that really is about this. First and foremost... We need to worship God, first and foremost, that he is number one. He should be number one in our life. Everything that we say or do should be oriented towards God. Now, why is that important? Because in chapter six, if you understand that that's how it starts, then this starts to make a little bit more sense. In other words, that the reason these things that we just read are true is because Jesus and God are who they say they are and they are worthy of our worship. And so this this passage of scripture isn't just kind of floating out there. It's in a context of worshiping God. And in worshiping God, you, you put your faith, you put your trust, you put your finances, you put your relationships, you put all these things in the hands of God. And what he says to you is that, look, if you're gonna do that, these are some of the things you need to do. And this whole next section that we're talking about is all about wealth. It's all about believers and wealth. 
It's all about what believers do with the shiny things. All that we do with the things in our life that we get and we collect and and we receive. God is saying to us that you have to understand that if you are not worshiping, if you are, no, no, if you are worshiping me, that your treasures will be in the right place. If you're worshiping me, your eyes will be in the right place. If you're worshiping me, right? If you're worshiping me, you won't serve other masters. If you're worshiping me, you are aware that once this happens, once you understand that God's on the throne, that he's taking care of you, therefore, you won't worry. Therefore, you won't worry. Therefore, you won't worry. So you see what I'm getting at? And so if we would seek, so, so what I like to do is go all the way down to the bottom that says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's start there. Because in, in, in reality, that phrase is bookending everything he said in chapter 6, verse 1, leading up to verse 19 that we just read. Do you understand? So it's bookending it, and it's saying, but seek first the kingdom of God. That's what he said at the very beginning of the chapter. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, if you'll put God first in your life, then what will happen is all these other things will begin to fall into line. And if you don't get this right, if you try to do it without that, then you are going to find yourself in a bad place. Because do you know why you worry? Do you know why I worry? Do you know why we worry sometimes? It's because we lack trust in God. Now you're like, Pastor, that's kind of harsh. Look, I know, but let's just be honest. Like you said, well, it's because I have some fears. Well, I know. Why do you have fear? What's beneath the fear? What's beneath the fear? Why do you fear? Why do you fear that thing? Why do you feel unsafe? Now, there's all kinds of reasons you do. Like, I mean, come on. There are some unsafe people. Yes? I mean, you just don't want to be around them. Because they're unsafe. And so I'm not saying that there aren't things in this world that are unsafe. Of course there are. But the one thing that the Bible teaches and what Jesus is telling us is that that's not God. God is not unsafe. God can be trusted. Come on. God can be trusted. And if we want to put, if we are going to put our love and our worship towards him, then why in the world wouldn't we be okay with putting our treasure Why in the world wouldn't we be okay with putting our trust? Why in the world would we walk around worried and thinking that somehow God isn't for us or here, 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 that God doesn't care? Because this is what I think. For us to thrive in 2023, it's going to require some decisions from us. Like you're going to just have to make a decision. And the thing that, that, that is so hard to sometimes make the decision on is that I'm going to choose not to do X. Whatever X is. Let's say I'm going to choose not to worry. Like, how do I do that? Go back to verse 1. Understand verse 33. Because if see, if you seek first, what will happen? And I'm not saying that you won't have battles, people. I mean, I woke up this morning with some things on my mind. That if I would have grabbed hold of, they would have created anxiety in me. But the Bible says, cast my cares on the Lord because he cares for me. Do you believe that God cares for you? Do you believe that you can cast your cares on the one that is more than able to hold them? We need to stop casting our cares on our spouse and start casting them on the Lord. You're like, well, I can't talk to my spouse. Of course you can talk to your spouse. But if she's the only one you're talking to, if he's the only one you're talking to about your problems... 
then friend, you are becoming a burden. And your spouse was not designed by God to carry your burdens. He is designed. He is the one. And so we need to understand that Jesus is trying to get us to see that we've got to make a decision. Because see, when you look at this, if you, at the very, if you go all the way down to the bottom, if you choose to put God first, there's something behind that. And what's behind it is that you believe he is who he says he is. That it's not faith in some uh, uh, nebulous idea. It's not just optimism, eternal optimism. It's, it's actually faith in someone. Someone who has proven themselves, because I don't know about you, if, if God could create the world, don't you think he could be trusted? Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if he could do that, then, then, then of course he could be trusted. See, faith is believing that God is who he says he is. That he's done what he says he's done. And that he will do what he says he'll do. See, our experience, listen to me, our experience doesn't negate who God is is or what God can do. Isn't it true? Thank you. Isn't it true? And I don't know about you guys. I'm the same way. Is we look at the world through our lens of experience. And in a postmodern culture, that, I mean, experience is our God. And so what happens is we start to experience life or what we perceive And then we apply that as truth to a God that never agreed to our standard. See, God is not untrustworthy because you had a bad experience. God is trustworthy because he's God, not because of your experience. And I'm not saying your experience isn't hard. But I am saying that what's great about going through hard things is that you can believe in a God that can help you. That you can believe in a God that can do something in the midst of it. And I'm tired of this in my own life. And I'm tired of this in the church. Is that somehow we say that God is a God of the impossible, but not for me. That God is a God of the impossible, but not for me. Because we've been disappointed. And my heart today for all of us is that we would put that stuff down. And that our faith would grow. That our faith would get high. That we'd actually believe that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that God will add all these things unto us. And here's the thing I want you to see. Is when I say that, there's some of us in the room that hear all this stuff and they think, is that true? Or not just is it true. You add an addendum of all the things God can't do. Or theologically, you add, why would he? Did you see what I'm getting at? And and, and my heart for us today is that we could just approach Jesus from a simple place. We could approach him from a simple place. And like with childlike faith. Come on. Isn't that what he calls us to? Childlike faith that crawls up in daddy's lap. And says, God, I don't know. This situation's awful, but I know that you're good, and I know that I can trust you. I'm in pain, God, but I trust you. I'm struggling, God, but I trust you. And the word that God gave me last week while Pastor David was uh, preaching is that, that some of us 
our faith right now can't believe for a miracle because we've added all kinds of superlatives and additives and things in there and we're not quite there anymore. And I just want to suggest to you today, could you believe, come on, could you believe that he at least cares for you? Because if you can start there, you can get to your miracle. If you can believe again that he cares for you, like Jesus said in the Sermon on that, that he cares more for you than those birds. And some of you are birders or whatever they're called. People that look at birds. Yes, bird watchers, birders. It's a verb. I don't, it's, a, it's a subject noun verb. But he cares. But he cares. Some of you are planters, you know, the horticulturalists. And you know how you care for your plants, you know? So you know how you'd have to take care of them. Could we believe again that that's what Jesus does for us? Could you believe that the God of this universe, come on, stick with me, that the God of this universe that created all things, that superintends the world, that absolutely knows everything and everyone. I mean, come on, think about it. His, he's busy. He's busier than the president. And the Bible says he cares about you. He cares about your pain. He cares about your sorrow, your suffering, your, your disappointment. Come on. Some of you have made an idol of your disappointment. And you need to believe again in a God that is able to do the impossible. Because see, in my heart for us today is that we would understand what Jesus is saying. If we're going to have the best year, if we're going to thrive in 2023, we've got to make some decisions. We've got to put some things down and say, you know what? That's not what I'm going to be about. I'm going to be about something different. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11. If you need some faith, read Hebrews chapter 11. It's a whole list of people who had faith in God. And he builds on this story of, of the faithfulness and faith of God and his people. But then listen to this in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Listen, by faith, by faith, Enoch. I don't know if you know who Enoch is. He, he wasn't like a big character in the Bible. But for some reason, he became a pretty big deal. See, the Bible says that he was taken away so that he did not see death. So, so the way the image works is like Enoch's here, and then all of a sudden, he like floats up to the sky, and he's gone. Now, about you, that's pretty significant, right? Like, have you ever seen anybody do that? I haven't. I, would, I think that would be cool, wouldn't you? I mean, it would be amazing to see, like, Gretchen, <laughs> my wife. Like, we're standing up here, and we're loving God, and we're preaching God, and all of a sudden, she just starts to hover. And she's, like, literally floating up into the air, and she makes her way to God. And I'm left here. I'm like, I worked harder than she did. <laughs> Some of the women in the room are like, mm -hmm, I can't believe he said that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just levitates, right? And then somehow, and I don't even know how this works, he ends up in the presence of God. It says that he did not see death, 
And then it says, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Do you know what pleased God? His faith. His faith. His faith led to him levitating into heaven. (laughs) I need some of that in my life. Now, I know that the scientists in the room, come on, I know you. The empirical people in the room are saying that's not possible. I get it. I've never seen it. So my experience says it's not possible. My experience tells me that because it hasn't happened, it's not possible. And yet, I believe in a Bible that tells stories about people doing things that are not possible. So why is it that I apply my own experience to a Bible that says it is? I can tell you why. Because I'm human. Because I lack faith. Because I don't trust God. Because I've been so beat up by the world or disappointed by my life that sometimes I'll apply these things to God. But could we just get back to a pure faith that believes that the God that levitated Gretchen to heaven (laughs) could do something like that in my life? So I'm going to pray to levitate. Who's with me? Who's coming with me? Come on. Because listen, look at look at what Hebrews says in verse 6. But without faith, come on, it is impossible to please him. See, Enoch pleased God because of his faith. The Bible says it's not possible to please God without faith. Now, it doesn't say faith with all your caveats. It says faith in a God that is who he says he is. He's done what he says he's done, and he'll do what he says he'll do. That's the faith that he asks us to do. And then he says this, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Oh, I love that. That's just enough for us today, isn't it? That's so good to hear what God is saying, that he is not only wants us to believe, but that he rewards our belief He rewards our belief as we diligently seek him. See, we don't lay up treasures because we don't believe. Right? You don't put your treasures in God because you don't believe. You put your treasures in God because you do believe. We aren't careful about what we watch or see because we don't believe. You don't serve God because you don't believe. See, see, there's belief in our lives. And sometimes that belief is high and sometimes that belief is low. But what I'm asking you to do is believe again. Get your faith high as you start the year and believe in a God that can. See, Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, right? Where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Now, I love that because the easiest way to see what you care about is to look at your budget. Right? If you were going into a company and you were going to investigate that company, what's the first thing you'd look at? You'd look at their budget. Same is true in your life. If you want to know what you care about, look at your budget. If you are not honoring God with the tithe, friends, you see what I'm saying? I won't spend too much time on that. But the Bible says, lay up treasures in, uh, lay up treasures in heaven because they don't rust, they aren't destroyed, and they aren't stolen. 
And then the Bible says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. How do you store up treasures in heaven? Give to God what's his. That's how you store up treasures in heaven. Because see, when you give to God what's his, you fund the kingdom of God. And when you fund the kingdom of God, watch this, you affect the eternity of other people. Because the only thing that lasts in this world, it's not a car, it's not a house, it's not anything else. The only thing that lasts for eternity are the souls of people. And so when the church gets serious about reaching people with the gospel, that's what we're investing in. That's what we're seeing is the lives of people who will not spend eternity separated from God. That's when you know you're investing in something. Because that, my friend, will last. So he tells us to commit ourselves to the eternal matters. He tells us to trust God. He tells us what's most important. So our treasures do matter. Jesus clearly says it. He also says what we see provides light or exposes darkness. See, some of us have darkness in our life that we've allowed. And Jesus comes in as the light of the world and he exposes it. But here's the thing. God can forgive all of that. But what he's asking us to do is make sure that we start to look away. That we start to look at other things. That we start to focus in on the things that really matter. And, and, and I've always felt, and, and I think the Bible teaches this, is that, that, that our eyes, right? You know this physically. Your eyes provide sight. And, and, and what's amazing about that is that Jesus isn't referencing just physical sight. Right. He's he's rep, he's he's helping us to see that there's a spiritual sight that all of us have. And you know how you get your spiritual sight? Faith. Faith is what gives us greater insight. Faith is what gives us greater ability to see beyond what we currently can't see. See, faith is about seeing things. Faith is about seeing the unseen. Faith is about knowing the truth and the truth leading us to greater vision and wisdom and and, and insight and, and, and greater light in our lives. Faith does that. Let me ask you this. How do you see an invisible God? You ever ask that? Like, how do you see an invisible God? Well, the Bible says that the invisible God, the eternal one, immortal, invisible, this is in Colossians and 1 Timothy, that, that God is invisible. Do you know how that the do you know how the unseen becomes seen? Faith. Simple, straightforward. Faith gives us eyes so that we can see the unseen. That we can see something that we don't currently see as a reality. Come on. That we can see something that isn't possible. That faith gives us the ability to see clearly and with greater light. See, Hebrews tells us that faith is what pleases God. And it's when we believe in a God that can, he will show up and do things on our behalf. See, faith filled, faith seeing will build in our lives a trust in God that is greater than anything that that is greater than anything. Come on, is greater than anything that I'm currently facing. Do you understand? See, 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 we serve a God who can. Your God doesn't look at your problem and say, oh, no. What are we going to do? He's not wringing his hands. He's not up there like, Michael, bro, do you see this problem? 
I don't know what to do. Can you talk to Lucifer? Right? Like God's not up there wondering what to do. God is more than able to engage and do what needs to be done. He's called us to a life to believe in a God who can. All things, right, are possible. All things are possible. Say, say that to your neighbor. All things are possible. Now say it like you mean it. All things are possible. Come on. I don't know if you believe that today. But I want to look at something in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Look at these words. Verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, if you know the context of this story, this is the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I, I, I want what you have. And Jesus said, go and sell everything. And he was like, yeah, I just can't do it. And so the Bible says, look, look, the Bible says, but when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that, that somehow we should go sell all of our stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to, I'm giving you the story before the story. Because see, contextually, Jesus was just talking to the rich young ruler, and then he writes this, look, in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so he's, he's, he's reflecting back to the interaction he just had with this young, this young ruler. Then he says in verse 24, and again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So he's saying, look, it ain't easy. It's not easy. Then he goes on. He says, when, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, listen, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Do you see what he's saying? In other words, this man was focused on the things of this world. Now, what does the Bible say in, in Matthew chapter 6? Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek first the thing. Don't seek first the things of this world. Don't be so consumed with the things of this world that you're not willing to release your kung fu grip on these things and reach for a God that can. See, see, we're holding on to things that are impossible. We're holding on to beliefs and ideas and thoughts that lead us to an impossible reality. But my friends, I'm just asking you to let go of those things. Let go of those hurts and those habits and those lack, that unbelief that ties you to an impossibility. And would you reach and grab hold of a God that can reach and grab hold of a God that is more than able and to bring the impossible into your life? See, friends, it's so good. See, see, we got to stop seeing the things of this world. We got to stop seeing the bad report. Come on. We got to stop seeing the brokenness, the unforgiveness, the mess. See, we got to stop seeing the impossible and just the natural. Because, see, we've got to, come on, we've got to stop seeing these things and start looking towards a God that can. I want to invite the worship team to come forward.
Jesus goes on to say this, who we pledge our allegiance to ultimately dictates our life. Do you understand that? Who we pledge our allegiance to ultimately dictates our life and the quality of life that we have. See, the thing that we have to understand is that sometimes we can actually pledge our allegiance, come on, to doubt. We can pledge our allegiance to fear. We can pledge our allegiance to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger. There's all kinds of things that we can pledge our allegiance to. But the thing that we have to understand is that God is calling us to pledge our allegiance to the one that can, to the one that's more than able. And say, this is the last thought that I have. Is see, we worry, we fret, we struggle. Because I think deep down, somewhere in there, we've been disappointed. And we think that God doesn't care. And the reason I'm talking about this today is because what I'm trying to get us to see is that God wants to do a miracle in your life. But what happens sometimes is the enemy comes in and convinces you that he can't or that he won't. Or that you've, you've, you've prayed so many times that you start to, to just not believe anymore. And I'm asking you to do something today. I'm asking you to see this passage of scripture, what Jesus is saying, and, and, and could you just believe again that he cares about you? He cares about your suffering. He cares about the sickness. He cares about your marriage. He cares about that relationship. He cares, he cares about your kids. Come on. He cares. And every time you stretch out your hand in faith, God hears you. He is pleased with you. And the Bible says he will reward you if you seek him diligently. That's what the scripture says. And so the Bible says, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. Look at the birds of the air and look at the lilies of the field. And the heavenly father feeds them. And then Jesus asks this question. Come on, he's asking this question to you today. Listen. Are you not more than they? Now stay with me. Could you just for a moment hear that? Everybody just, just for a moment. Could you hear? Are you not more than they? See, just let that, let that just kind of begin to wash over you. See, God, God wants you to know that today. He wants you to know he cares. He wants you to know that he's more than able and that he can. My experience doesn't determine who my God is. Do you believe that he cares? And I, I believe this. If you'll start there today, you're on your way to your miracle. You're on your way. I believe it. Let me ask you a few questions. Is it true that God can do miracles? 
Seems reasonable. The God that created all things. Is it true that the Bible teaches that God tells us to pray for miracles? Yeah. For healing, for salvations, for deliverance. God tells us to pray for these things. Is it true that God cares about you? Now, don't say it if you don't mean it. But if it's true that God cares about you, is it true that there's spiritual warfare and spiritual forces that are at work against the things of God in this world? Is it true that we're instructed by God to fight against these things? Okay, so all of those things are true. So friends, just just for today, don't discount the truth. Don't discount the word of God. Believe. Put your faith and trust in a God that is more than able. Because I can tell you this, a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half now, I don't even remember. Gretchen's sister almost died. Some of you were here for that. Pulmonary embolisms led to heart attacks, led to multiple strokes, led to being without oxygen for about an hour. And I can tell you this, guys, scary stuff. You can look at the scan that the the doctor will do on her brain. And there's an area in the scan that he says, they call it dead brain. But there's parts of her brain that are dead. Guess what parts of the brain are dead? Her speech. But guess what she does? I'm just saying... On the report, it says dead. Doctor looks at it, dead. The area of the brain for speech. And she talks. Now, you can argue all you want with that. Well, it was probably some enzyme or some kind of, you know, neuron or. And I get it. That's fine. You can do whatever you want. But for me, I believe in a God that can do miracles. And Pastor Chris Taylor said something to us the night that we all got together to pray for her because she was going to die. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And he said this to my wife, and it's been such a powerful reminder. He said to her, he said, we will believe for Sarah's healing until God says otherwise. So friends, today, could you believe that God cares? Could you believe for your healing until God tells you no? Until God says otherwise, could you believe? Could you believe in a God that can do the impossible? Could you believe? And so friends, I just invite you to get your faith up today. That you'd believe in a God that can do the impossible. That you'd believe in a God that cares. 
that you'd let go of the things of this world. You'd let go of your fears, let go of your doubts, let go of your disappointments and grab hold of the one that is more than able to do the impossible. Let's just begin to pray. God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that your word tells us today that you are able to do the impossible. God, as we seek you first, you say in your word that you will add all things unto us. You'll add, you'll add the things we need. You'll add clothing and houses and things that we need, food. But Jesus says so clearly, he says, what father who's asked for a loaf of bread would give their kid a scorpion or a snake? And sometimes we reduce God to just the, the, those things, you know, it's just my, it's just my clothing. It's, you know, he takes care of me, feeds me. But don't you believe that God cares about your suffering, your sickness, your struggle, your brokenness. God cares. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for anybody in this room that needs to just double down on the fact that you care. They need to just believe again that you care. Jesus, I thank you for it. If you're here today and you say, I need to just believe again, that he cares. I need to believe again in a God that can do the impossible. Would you stand to your feet right now? Just stand to your feet in Jesus' name. I want to pray for us today. God, I thank you for anybody in this room. People, people are joining us all over this room. God, I pray for anybody here today that says, I need to trade in my doubt. I need to trade in my fear. I need to trade in the things that are holding me back. And I'm going to start to believe again in a God that can. Father, I pray your anointing on each person in this room. Anybody in this room that needs a, 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 an injection of faith today. God, would you help this church to be full of faith? Help the people of this church to be full of faith. Father, I'm praying right now that as we come to, to grips with the care that you have for us, Lord, that it would lead us to the miracles that we want to see. Father, I pray for miracles in this church. I pray for people that are suffering with physical ailments. I pray for people that are suffering with brokenness from the past, God. I pray for a release of healing, a release of healing in the brokenness of our lives, in the sin that's so broken in us, Lord. We pray for healing today. God, I pray your healing over anybody in this room, Jesus, that desires it. Guys, could we just stretch towards God and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Jesus, we thank you. You know, there's people in this room today that perhaps you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that if you would simply confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus would come in and he would save you. And I ask today, if that's not your story, would you be willing to take a step of faith? So what I'm going to ask you to do is pray this prayer. And so church, anybody in here that wants to do it, would you pray this? And church, let's pray with them. So we're going to pray this together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Would you save me from my sins? I make you Lord of my life. I surrender all to you.
I pray, God, that you would change me from the inside out. That you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I choose to follow you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate anybody that's making a decision today? We're so proud of you. Come on. Guys, let's just begin to worship the Lord. Come on, church. Let's just begin to worship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you.